0: You're listening to our Bible teaching program, Search for Truth. Thanks for tuning in. Our signature tune is the hymn which starts, Break Thou the Bread of Life, a hymn where we're asking God to help us understand his word, the Bible. And today, again, we do just that. We look with Brian into our Bibles in the second talk in our series where we're considering different aspects of the love of God. We readily acknowledge that any study of such a vast subject can only scratch the surface. And with that in mind, I'll hand over now to Brian to tell us more.
1: Thanks, John. Yes, we've already spoken of how there are unhelpful ways of thinking about God's love. They're unhelpful because they're generated by our own flawed human ideas about love. More than unhelpful, they're also at times a serious obstacle to evangelism. Back in the 60s, popular singers began to sing, What the world needs now is love, sweet love. It's the only thing that there's just too little of. It seems since then we've continued to take an increasingly sentimentalised view of God's love also. God's love is not love, sweet love. God doesn't fall hopelessly in love with sinners. But even in Christian circles, God's love gets purged of anything that we might find disturbing until all that seems to be left is love, sweet love. That's a totally mistaken idea of the love of God. I remember once after I'd preached on the cross of Christ and shared the good news of how we can have our sins forgiven, someone commented that there was little or nothing about God's love in the message. I would venture to say that if a message which explained how our sin merited only God's judgment, but how God's intervention through the sacrifice of his Son at the cross to die for us has provided us with the offer of eternal life, if a message like that is not thought to be about the love of God, then we've got a very skewed and distorted idea of what God's love is. But I had tried to show how God's love and God's judgment operate together And you see, that's not love's sweet love. But neither should we fall into the trap of thinking about God's love as doing good for others out of sheer willpower and with zero passion. In the great hymn of love, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the Apostle Paul says that we can be so determined to help others that we are at the point of giving away all of our possessions and even sacrificing our own life. And yet, he says... There may be nothing of true love in our motivation. As for God's love of sinners, God says some pretty amazing things through the prophet Hosea. Things like, Hosea 11 verse 7, So my people are bent on turning from me. Though they call them to the one on high, none at all exalts him. How can I give you up, O Ephraim? How can I surrender you, O Israel? How can I make you like Adma? How can I treat you like Zeboim? My heart is turned over within me. All my compassions are kindled. After that, we dare not strip God of passion and emotion. In love, he refused to utterly destroy his ancient people. As we've just heard from Hosea, God has emotions, but they're controlled in a way that ours so often are not. With us... Our heart can so easily rule our head. God's emotions, however, are in perfect harmony with his power and with his holiness and with his justice. To those who've embraced the Christian faith, the Apostle Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 1, in love, he says, God predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself according to the kind intention of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. This is majestic, sovereign love, with nothing of whimsy about it. God's love is not some fleeting feeling. It doesn't depend on, nor does it react to, the circumstances of the moment. But as we've recalled already, the best description of divine love is as found in 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient, love is kind and is not jealous. Love does not brag and is not arrogant, does not act unbecomingly, it does not seek its own, is not provoked, does not take into account a wrong suffered, does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. Perhaps you've heard it said that God loves everybody just the same. This is another potentially mistaken idea about the love of God. It's true when we're talking about one category of God's love, namely when the context is his providential love or care for all his creatures. But if we apply this to other categories of God's love, we're going to wind up in serious error. And sadly, this is precisely what some do, who say that because God loves everybody the same, then everybody will be saved. And so they end up in the error of universalism, which teaches that a loving God is incompatible with the thought of any human experiencing a lost eternity. Having thought already of what the Bible has to say about God's love in operation within the Godhead, let's now turn to concentrate on God's providential love for all his creation. Later in our studies, we'll move on to think specifically about God's love towards a fallen world and then his love for a select chosen number. And furthermore, in this we'll see there's both a distinctly conditional as well as an unconditional aspect in that last category of God's love. Confusing these different contexts of God's love only manages to confuse the whole picture which the Bible draws of both the nature of God and of salvation teaching in the Bible. But in what we are going to look at now, the category of God's providence, here we do actually find that God loves everybody just the same. Take, for example, this reading from Matthew's Gospel, from chapter 5 and verse 43. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbour and hate your enemy. But I say to you, and this of course is Jesus speaking, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good, and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous for if you love those who love you what reward do you have do not even the tax collectors do the same if you greet only your brothers what more are you doing than others do not even the gentiles do the same therefore you are to be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect so god treats in love both the righteous and the unrighteous person in the same way, in regard to his provision of rain and sunshine, causing both their crops to grow alike. But for the believer in the Lord Jesus, our Lord continues in chapter 6 to say some wonderfully reassuring things. For this reason, he says, I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, that they do not sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? And who of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to his life? And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Do not worry then, saying, What will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. It's great just to savour the insight which the Lord gives us here, of how the eye of God appreciates the splendour of his creation, even down to enjoying the grass of the field clothed with the glorious lilies. Equally remarkable is the detail which the Lord picks out for us. The transcendent God sees, and we would surely have to say, his will sanctions every sparrow that falls, whether in death or in simply swooping down to the earth. What's the main teaching for us? from the Bible's revelation of this dimension of God's love. Is it not this, that we can rest in a love like this? We're encouraged to rely on God's unfailing provision for us, just as the birds of the air instinctively do. Such reliance on God breeds a very proper and godly contentment. And contentment like this is liberating. It frees us from the distraction of worrying about everyday necessities so that we can concentrate on advancing God's kingdom on earth. This is quite something, is it not? We're invited to abandon all worry over details and over daily necessities by grasping the promise that none other than the God of creation will attend to our personal needs if we truly focus on advancing God's agenda in the bigger picture of his purposes for ourselves and others. But to talk about God's providential love is not the only way to talk about God's love. If we thought that, we'd be in danger, severe danger, of relegating God in our thinking to some impersonal force of nature. Next time, God willing, we hope to be looking together at God's personal love for all the people of this world
2: the
0: As usual, there's a transcript booklet of all the talks in this series and it's free to receive. So if you'd like one or more than one for group Bible study or to pass on to friends, make sure to let us have your postal address and ask for the title, God's Five Loves. You can also download our booklets via the internet or you can order by email or by post. But first, I'll give you the postal address. It's Search for Truth, Church of God, Downing Drive, Leicester, LE5, 6LN UK. And now here's our email address. It's SFT at churchesofgod.info. Now, if you wish, you can download audio MP3 versions of some past programs or listen to more again via the podcast player on your computer. So you just go to www.searchfortruth.org. UK. And this is our church website where you can also access additional helpful material. Now, some titles of Search for Truth booklets are also available at Amazon.co.uk forward slash Kindle ebooks. Just type Search for Truth series into the search box, and there you'll find a growing list of transcript books from previous programs is available. So it's worth uh, visiting fairly frequently. I do hope like me you're finding this subject is interesting and inspiring and uh, we've enjoyed having you with us so do join us next week if you can when we'll be looking again at another aspect of God's love. Until then it's very best wishes from Brian, David, our singers and me John. So goodbye and may God richly bless you.